Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am your hostess, Pat Rulo, and today I am happy to share a Firebird Award-winning author with you. He is Matt Jardine, and his book is titled, How to Be a Buddhist Millionaire, Nine Practical Steps to Being Happy in a Materialistic World. Matt is a fiction and nonfiction author, podcaster, and a martial arts teacher. He hails from London, but he enjoys traveling the world to different countries, different cultures, different points of view. And today I am speaking to him from Oman, an exciting life and a wise person. So let's get going and learn more. Welcome to the network, Matt. Hey, Pat. It's really, really lovely to speak to you. Thanks for having me on. Oh, my gosh. Congratulations on the win. Do you know, when that came through, when did we find out? A few weeks ago now. I was uh-huh. I was so excited. I was like, oh, that, that is... Uh, yeah, it's just great news. So you know, thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. You know, you pour your heart out into these into these works and then you put it out there for criticism. It's kind of a crazy thing to do. Um, but then when you get it back and it's positive, it just feels so reaffirming, doesn't it? Yeah, and uh, that's absolutely right. You know, you do. That's that's absolutely spot on. You put all this work in and you know that you've got to make it go public. But of course, that that's you. That's you on the line. And, uh, you know, early on when you send it off and the edits come back and your, you know, your agent and your editor kind of cuts bits and says it's not very good. At some point you think, you know, can I do this? And then when, oh. when an award comes back, it feels great. I know. Well, congratulations. I understand, Matt, that you embarked upon a 1,400-kilometer walk to visit 88 Buddhist temples in Japan, which then gave you the inspiration to write your first book, The Hardest Path, Mm -hmm. as well as How to Be a Buddhist Millionaire. You have to tell us a bit about that. That just sounds so intriguing. No, that, that's it. It all started with uh, the 88 Temple Pilgrimage, or in Japanese, the Hachijuhachi. So just to just to back up, I think probably everyone knows Paolo Coelho. He wrote The Alchemist. His first book was called The Pilgrimage, and I read that. It was about the Santiago, you know, the pilgrimage from France and Spain. And I read that, and I thought, wow, I'd love to do some sort of spiritual journey, like you know, a pilgrimage. I've had links to Japan forever through my martial arts days. So I thought, well, mine's not going to be in in France, in Spain. It's going to be in Japan. And uh, I found out about a thing called the Hachijuhachi. As you say, it's uh, 1,400 kilometers around the island of Shikoku. And and at that point, my children were young. And um, I, you know, had all the money problems. You know, it's pretty tricky. All parents, you know, we love our children. Of course we do. But raising a young family can be stressful as well. And I was having those questions. Is there more to life for me, for them, for, for everyone, really? So I went on the pilgrimage um, with, with a sort of a limiter on me. The idea was to prove if to myself, really, if time and money were human-made constraints, right, or did they actually exist? And the idea being, if I could do this pilgrimage without enough time, without enough money, then I could prove that basically time and money constraints are all in our head. And and the journey and then the book after was what I discovered. Oh, wow, that is fascinating. Most people don't think that far. Mm. Yeah, no, I think so. It's, uh, It's such a, I mean, you know, standing in a school playground, or you go, you know, Pat, speak to anyone, Pat, you listen, you know, people in coffee shops, listen to them chatting, and you hear them mostly complaining about, I haven't got enough time, I haven't got enough money, or you'll, you'll hear the contrast. If I did have X amount of pounds, X amount of dollars, right, I would do A to Z. Or if I had more time, I would do A to Z. 
And I, I just couldn't, I didn't want to buy into the idea that we had to wait until we've got time and money to do things. So the pilgrimage was that first step. And then when I came home from the, from the pilgrimage, I had these kind of life lessons, these insights, et cetera. Not, not my insights as such. I'm sure every pilgrim who's been has had them. I just happened to write them down. But of course, the bills were still coming through the door. So I wondered then, okay, can I apply what I've learned on this pilgrimage and apply them to day-to-day -day living? In Buddhism, it's called coming down from the mountain. The mm -hmm. idea is that there's no point in having all this kind of, you know, all these great enlightened views if when you come home, it makes no difference. So mm -hmm. then I started to ask myself, can I apply this to my work, to my business, these kind of spiritual laws, and can they help me have the work life that I want, being that we spend so much time at work? So that was the How to Be a Buddhist Millionaire project. Wow, I love this story. Maybe give us a little peek then into the book, The Buddhist Millionaire, how you came to put it together with the nine practical steps. Just give a, our listeners a peek into what they can expect. Okay, so it's, it's based on a simple idea. I expand it, of course, but essentially it's based on this idea that time and money are human-made constraints. And ultimately, your only decision in, in terms of work is to do work that you love and what i mean by that is when the alarm clock goes off in the morning work that you maybe not race out of bed but you get out of bed quickly for that that kind of lights your your tummy you know that feeling where you mm -hmm. actually like like i do a lot of podcasting and writing and it's not a problem getting up i want to get up to do that right right so that's work that kind of you know lights your heart so that's what you go after and then the really from then on once you throw that out then the money finds you a little bit of the whole kind of build it and they will come. That is essentially the, the guidelines behind being a Buddhist millionaire. And by the way, to be a Buddhist millionaire, you neither had to be a Buddhist nor a millionaire. It's just a living the work that you like, spiritual, meaningful life that also makes money. Now, of course, that's it's stripped bare of everything else. But there are various steps, not really that you have to do that people like to understand to see what's happening. For example, there's a chapter called Invisible Currencies. You know, there's a mm -hmm. thing when you're building something that you love that for a long time, you don't see the hard cash. Here's a classic example, right? I'm writing a novel at the moment. I write nonfiction and fiction. I'm writing a novel. Now, I'm putting on all this work, but right now, we, uh, you know, I'm still editing it. So there's no actual hard cash. Right. But an invisible currency, for example, would be this podcast. You and me are making a connection. My voice is going kind of public, more public than I would have had. So when we find when the book finally comes out, it's likely more people will buy it and therefore there'll be more cash. That is what I refer to as invisible currencies. Do, do you see what I mean? Does that make sense? Absolutely. It's if you keep moving in that direction and doing the things that you need to do to get to where you think you want to be, yep. all of that does play catch up at, at, late, at a later date. Yes, absolutely. Now, now, in Buddhist terminology, they refer to it as karma. And mm -hmm. most people think that karma is um, like punitive, like someone sitting up, you know, saying, right, you're good, you get this, you're bad, you get that. But that isn't karma. Karma is simply the law of cause and effect. Effort in, effort out. Now, the issue is that we are, um, you know, we're limited by our vision, right? So, for example, when you look at a plant, you see it 
what was it flower twice a year or so depends on what plant, mm -hmm. of course but you see it you know flower twice a year what you can't see because of our limited eyes is you can't see all the work that's going on underground the roots and the water and the photosynthesis all those different things and it's the same with our life so we panic when we live our passion and it's not you know working as in not paying the bills yet but we can't see all the wonderful things that are happening and most people pull the plug on their dreams just a little too early when actually it was just about to bloom if you'd stayed in the game a little bit longer you know as you're speaking i live on a river it just reminded me of a mental picture of uh we have just hundreds of uh geese mm -hmm. in and they're in the river and they're paddling away but all you see them is just kind of gliding from <laughs> point a to yeah. point b and you're not seeing all the effort that's going on yes. in the water in the deep there to to propel them from one place to the other and you know so many people see other people as successful and think oh that was like an overnight success when we really don't know how much time or effort that person put in to uh -huh. get to where they are today that but that is the best example ever and that is the big problem with modern day media is that we show our best side right mm -hmm. i mean we're, we're on audio now um but i've got my screen i put on my talking shirt my fancy talking shirt so we all do our best to show our best side but the point is it's i'm, I'm going to make up a percentage i don't know the statistics but that's one percent of us what about all the other stuff, as you say, the geese paddling underwater? And the more we realize, actually, everyone, the successful people were not successful people. They were ordinary people who paddled on the water a lot until eventually it looked like they knew what they were doing. That's all of us. That's all of us. We're making it up as we go along. Right, right. Well, speaking of your talking shirt, I love hummingbirds and I love your shirt. It's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much. We got it after visiting. We went to Sedona um, in where's Sedona, Nevada, around there. Arizona. Yeah, Arizona. Arizona. And we, this unbelievable church in the rocks. Yes. Stunning. And my wife and I were outside and we saw, I've always loved hummingbirds, but we saw hummingbirds for the first time. And that was it. We got home and Sherry, <laughs> my wife, bought me a, my hummingbird shirt. So that's my talking shirt. This is my <laughs> I look impressive. I know what I'm doing shirt. <laughs> oh, well, you've impressed me. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're awesome. I love talking with you here. So, you know, during these times, Matt, things are particularly difficult for folks for whatever re reason, whether they lost their job, they're working from home, things just aren't what they used to be. How do you keep paddling? How, what would you tell them to um, give them that extra bit of oomph to tell yeah. them to keep going? Firstly, this is a really good, I think about this a lot, actually, a lot. Firstly, I'd like them to know that I also have those moments and lots of them, particularly with writing, where you think, I have absolutely no idea what's going on. I don't know what I'm doing now. I don't know what I'm going to do after. Right. So those times feeling absolutely overwhelmed and like you have got no control on this is normal. Right. So I call it calling your line. And your line is before we run from A to B. We've got to be honest where A is. Now, if A is, I'm overwhelmed, I'm not very good, I'm rubbish at this, fine, fine. But you'll only know where to go once you've honestly called it to yourself, I am at level A, fine. 
Then by, by recognizing to, uh, level A, you'll then know what level B is, level C, right? So it's fine to start where you start, no matter how far back, right? So that's one thing. And the second thing, once you know your start point, get moving and keep moving. That's your only job. That is your only job. Where do you start? Get across the line, keep going until you've reached where you're going. Now, to take that onto a slightly more kind of spiritual plane, if you like, I, uh, uh, my view is that when you keep moving, there is something that always catches you, right? Now, people will have different opinions on what they call that. that. That's up to them. That's not my job to call it anything. I have just found in my own life and then in my podcast, interviewing a load of people who do the same thing, mm -hmm. that something catches you and keeps you moving. If you do your job, which is simply to get up and walk the next step just like a pilgrimage there's only one thing to do walk the next step and the next and the next until you get where you're supposed to go or where you want to go there's no supposed to go wherever you want to go it's up to you it's your game just keep showing up yeah keep show keep showing up that's it that's the that's the whole that's the whole game right keep showing up so your book is for everybody really everybody in life could gain a lot of wisdom from from reading whether they think they need it or not there's nuggets in this book that will help everybody i'd like to think so and, and they're not my nuggets i'd love to say i was the creator of these nuggets they they just kind of i found them on on the 88 temple pilgrimage and i wrote them down and they became the book but really mm -hmm. you know there are you go on any i i say to people and you know my publisher always emails me after and tells me you shouldn't say that <laughs> i say ultimately you don't need a book right what you need right. to do is go on your own journey now pilgrimage doesn't have to be a spiritual journey it can just be anything where you're going from a to b and you find your own lessons okay um and that's all we need to do get on the path keep walking and you will discover all these truths these wisdoms if you like for yourself i mean if you want to speak about wisdom speak to my wife she'll very quickly tell you how unwise i am <laughs> i wouldn't do that to you <laughs> yeah no, no thanks <laughs> you know we have so many authors who listen to our our interviews i so i'm assuming we're gonna have a lot of authors listening to you and so many of them want to write full time yeah. but just as we're discussing now so what do i do write and be happy and broke i mean how do i how do i believe what it is you're saying and will i run out of time that's a that's the bills the bills keep showing up how long do i do this and how what advice would you have for them because i know we're gonna have some doubters here yeah no cool. well we love the doubters right being that i come from that camp myself um now here's the thing there there i'm gonna uh, two things I'm going to tell you, because there are two camps of people. I'll start with me, where I am refer I'm basically the bull in the china shop, right? So now I wrote How to Be a Buddhist Millionaire in the Hardest Path, and I decided, right, I want to write full time now. I I've had a successful martial arts business for what, 20 years or so. Um, and as I've always done with my careers, at the point where I want to change, I change overnight, much to the headache of all those around me who love me. <laughs> now, for me, that both feet in the river, get in with the paddling geese yes. works well. It works well. Everyone else around me gets a migraine, but it seems to, seems to kind of come off, right? So ultimately, if you ask me absolutely bang on, I would go jump, get in there, jump, take your mind off the money, off everything else, no matter how unrealistic that may be, 
jump in, email me a year later, and you tell me it worked, and I will email back and say, I tell, told you so. Boom. <sighs> that's, that's number one. That's my preferred choice. But mm -hmm. to toe the slightly political line, <laughs> I will do, <laughs> I'll do the gradual step, um, right. which is, you know, if you love it, we're talking about writing, so you love what you do, so do that, but do it every day. There is plenty of time before and after your workday. We're all tired, right? We're all tired. I get it. But if your passion is there and you want to lead to it, right? And you and you you want to avoid the headache of jumping in two feet, fine. But there's got to be some hardship. So the hardship for you is get up an hour earlier and write. Go to bed an hour later and write. You will find that in a year, nine months to a year, you'll have a book. Now, it might not be a very good book yet, but you will have a, a book. And when you look back, you'll be like, I did that. And mm. now you are a writer. Job done. Boom. You kept walking one step at a time. Thank you. You are very, very inspiring. And that leads me to talk about your podcast, because if this isn't enough, I mean, I, I know I'm not getting enough of you right now. So <laughs> can we continue this with your podcast? Yeah. I, I, and the podcast was just... Um, another Buddhist millionaire project, right? I love the mm -hmm. book. I love the idea of Buddhist millionaireship. And, and I love chatting to other people who wanted to throw this idea around. So I thought again, well, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start a podcast. So that's what I do. I speak with people from from all walks of life. I tell you everywhere, fascinating people, um, people who make guitars in, in, in South Africa to professional athletes to um, ballerina, all sorts of stuff. And I literally talk to them about, right, how do you do this? How do you do what you love and make it pay? And then we, I pick out all the kind of the threads. There are common threads amongst all these people that allow that to happen. And my point is there that I think in my book, there are 11 examples, I think. I should know that, shouldn't I? There are 11 examples. And, and the podcast is just meeting more and more people. So there'll be a sure. threshold where listeners will eventually think, well, if that many people are doing this, mm -hmm. there's got to be something in this. If this if this rowdy mob can all make this happen for them, then we can make it work too. <laughs> there's room for me, right? There's room for me. There's room for me at the end. Oh, I love this. Oh, excellent. This is so good. I want folks to know that they can continue more of Matt Jardine with his podcast. So before we begin to wrap up, anything that we're missing that you felt you wanted to discuss today? Um, I think this is just to um, honor this very tricky time, right? Our grandparents went through um, a world war. Mm -hmm. But for us, of our generation, this is the first major global obstacle that we've had to face together. And, and I know how much hardship that has uh, brought into people's lives. And I want to say this, I think it's important. I, I, I'm not Pollyanna. I don't try and coat everything. I'm not one of those, right? But I do think it is a discipline to look for the positive. I get it. I hear that coming out of my mouth. How can you make positive of people dying? I mean, you know, my, my, my own father's in, you know, stage four of lung cancer. I get it. But the point is, what is the other option? That yes. we, we don't do what we like, that we, that we kind of complain. So discipline yourself i believe i try to do this with me okay discipline myself to just find good stuff because the option of of letting it get us down is is not an option so yeah that's probably the only thing i'd like to add really Pat. 
I like that because if everybody, just that whole collective thought, actually, if everybody was thinking positive and putting positive out there, I'm sure it will be heard. I, I, I do believe that. I think there is a sort of a, a kind of a social energetic charge. Yes. Now, I don't want to get strange about it because I know that can put a lot of people off. I get it, you know, but, but I do think there's a, there's a social charge. We know how groups react together negatively and that can work positively as well. So why not, right? What have we got to lose other than feeling better, which at this stage, we all just need to remind ourselves. And that, by the way, is a skill. It's a skill and a discipline to be positive. You go into work, you're not in the mood, stop before you get in, take a breath and change the way you view that day. Because otherwise you're just you're gonna have a nine to five that's boring anyway. So you may as well go in a little bit lifted. And that's a discipline and a skill we can develop. Oh, absolutely. I've learned that through my life. You just change your perspective and you could make whatever, whatever you want. I yep. mean, you could turn things around just by the way you choose to think about it and I feel about it. Agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing actually how simple it is. Yes. Yeah. But 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 you but it does need practice though, isn't it? And I think yes. sometimes we are we are a little bit uh confused by the simplicity of it, thinking, well, shouldn't, be, shouldn't there be more steps? Here's the thing, I, I think the success. For me, success and, and doing things well is inevitable. All we need to do is realize there aren't that many steps. Decide where you are, choose where you want to go, get walking. Da -da. That's it. <laughs> Oh, you have no idea how happy I am that I met you. I enjoyed your book, but talking with you today just is like the, the cherry on top. Oh, Matt you. Jardine, How to Be a Buddhist Millionaire. Tell us where we can find out more, where folks can learn more about you, get copies of your books, your podcast, everything. Uh, so all the usual suspects for the book, Amazon, of course. I think in the States, it's um, you know normal Amazon. I think Barnes right. & Noble, it's there as well. Um, and the podcast is just uh, thebuddhistmillionairepodcast.com, I believe. If you, mm -hmm. if you search that, it's on Anchor. So it's, it's there, yeah. Oh, excellent. All righty. Well... I think I want some final words from you, though. I don't want to leave without your final thoughts for the day. Um, I think really at the moment, I'm very grateful. I'm living in the Middle East. I'm living in a desert surrounded by kind of sand, mountains and water. And I take the dog for a walk like this morning. I took her for a walk 530. We have a swim. It is important to remember how much good stuff we have in our lives right because it can very easily get away from us it can very easily become just another thing that we see and i do think that's important for us to go wake up have a little look i've got a roof over my head or if you haven't got a roof over your head wake up look up well my cardboard box is not as soggy as the guy next door it's not a comparative thing but again it's another discipline just to look for what you've got, appreciate it. And the day starts just a little bit more magic when you create that habit. Absolutely. Gratitude can save your life, really. I think so. I really think yep. so. Yep. All right, my friend, Matt Jardine, J-A-R-D-I-N-E, Matt Jardine, How to Be a Buddhist Millionaire. Everybody's got to get a copy of this book, listen to his podcast. You, my friend, are just, <laughs> I love this conversation. Thank you for today. No, Pat, thank you. Thank you so much. I've been looking forward to this all day. I tell you, I even put on my speaking shirt. I've got shorts <laughs> underneath, but I've got my speaking <laughs> shirt on. <laughs> I don't want to see any lower. No, I'm not going to show you any shorts, no way. I've got to look like I know what I'm doing, remember? You look good. You're the best. All Thank right. you. Thanks, Matt. Lots of love. Thank you.